It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. As the music would tell you, it is an Articles of News episode. I know in your mind you're thinking, who possibly uh, could be co-hosting this Articles of News episode? Now, before I allow him or her to be able to introduce themselves and make themselves known, wouldn't you love it if you could just see and be able to see the backdrop of said person so that you didn't have to wait while I stalled like this first minute or minute and a half where I just blather on and on and on? Well, there is a way, and we encourage you to find us over on Patreon. Why do we lead with that? Well, lots of cool and exciting things going on, more than 100 folks hanging out over there, and also because I quit my day job and it really helps me feel validated when people spend a little money for consuming the cultural hall. So if you have not done that, you've been considering it, you're sitting on the fence uh, and you're thinking, you know, I just need an extra little motivation, a little reminder to be able to do it. Why not go do it? It's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Who is my co-host this week? It's Annette Luthie Lyon. Hello. Hello. How hello, are hello. you? How are you? A whole lot better than last week when you asked if I wanted to record. I was sick and couldn't could hardly speak. So is, was, it the co- was it the COVID? No, I actually had three negative tests because we're just okay. that paranoid in this family. Um, a negative flu and a negative strep. So okay. that was fun. So just a variety of, I think it started out as a, like some sort of icky virus and then it turned into um, like a sinus infection and ear infection. So I got on antibiotics and now I'm okay. I got mm. a cough drop because my throat's still a little irritated. Mm-hmm. But People are like, good. she's eating a Jolly Rancher. What yeah. are we doing here on that? What's going on? You don't want to have a big coughing fit in the middle of the recording. People love that. So if, if it ends up happening, I want you really to know they're classy a, and yeah, professional. Yeah. It's that top notch uh, production quality that the cultural hall is so <laughs> known for uh, the coughing fit between uh, now recently you, uh, you, the, the best of Utah, was that recently enough? I think we mentioned it last time. Okay. Yeah. I got my okay. ninth best of state medal, but I didn't go to the gala this year around. Um, the tickets are more and more expensive and I am saving that hopefully for a research trip, some of that money. So good. Where are you, where are you going yeah. to research? Um, I think go back to Finland. I've been there, of course. I've lived there for three years, and I've gone back several times. But um, my next suspense novel is going to be set there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I do some research. I, uh, you know, we within the episodes of the Cultural Hall, sometimes you'll hear a, an ad that I do for Best DJ in Utah. Well, it turns out, Annette, I was nominated for Best of Salt Lake. I got Woo-hoo! this. Is this is sort of a funny story. I appreciate this, and for everyone. So, so I want to give both sides of this coin for everyone who wins a best of something. I think that's awesome. I don't think that they give those. Uh, I, I don't think that they just give those away necessarily. Um, there are certainly some of those that have much more credence and bearing, I think, than others. The qualifications to win the standards of even being um, a candidate in some of those things are mm-hmm. very high. There are also some of those that are a complete money-making scam. Uh, and I was nominated uh, for one of these such what I, I mean, maybe not scammy, but this is why I, this is why I feel a little, you know, whatever about it. I get a text message. I'm uh, DJing a wedding and uh, a friend of mine that I knew from uh, best of Ogden. This is a decade ago when I emceed that particular event said, Hey, where are you? I know you have to be at this event. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What event are you talking about? And she said, you are top three for best DJ at this particular best of event. And I said, I am. That's awesome. How did I get nominated? 
And she said, well, you know, it's a combination of Google reviews and this, that and the other thing. And and everyone here paid fifty dollars a seat to be able to be at this particular thing. Fifty dollars, not, you know, a forever expensive thing, but a, a higher price point per plate. Um, there was about five hundred people there. So short story, people are making twenty five thousand bucks on this event which I'm sure cost them about 10. And I didn't know that I was nominated. I didn't know how I would get people to vote for me. I didn't know either of the other companies that were nominated. And this is a fairly, you know, this particular best of is a fairly predominant geographic location that would make you think I should at least know some of these folks. All to say the one who won over me, uh, you know, because I didn't win. Spoiler: uh, the one who won over me. I I decided to do a little research, and you know, sure enough, the next day on social, it's like I'm the best. I won the award. <laughs> I've got the thing, and I'm just like, you won an award against a person who didn't know he was nominated for an award that people are paying to get, which makes Slight me sound like a negative yeah. person. But oh no. You're not negative. Yeah, <laughs> you're not <laughs> cynical, cynical, skeptical. There you go. I think that's good. Cynical, yeah. skeptical. It's, it's good to not just, you know, take everything without the grain of salt. You know, yeah. to, to, to be clear, that's not be- what best of Utah is, but there are many best of things. Sure. And when I see them on people's websites, uh, it reminds me, you know, DJ Rob, who, by the way, did not know he was a DJ, but I saw Shocking. him earlier. Yeah, I swear. Uh, he and I used to work on a college TV show that we used to say was number one for its for. Let me think how he said this it was number one in its time slot for talk shows. Right. So like we narrowed it down enough that we could yep. be number one because this thing went, ran in the middle of the night uh, and it was the only local talk show. But if we put that up on a website, people would be like, oh, oh my gosh, it's oh, number one. And, and, you know, writers do the same thing. Yep. Like on Amazon, it's obviously there are millions and millions of books. And so it's, you want to get up on the rankings, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can find a really niche, teeny tiny category that have has like 20 books in it or something, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. like have all your friends buy it one day, you can say, I was number one in this category. And yeah, you were, but so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a much bigger deal. Like when um one of the collections I was in hit the USA Today list, I was like, okay, now that actually means something. I was mm-hmm. that that means a certain number of sales. And you know, we weren't we were in the top 50. We weren't in like the top 10 or whatever, but hey, I'll take it. You know, yeah, yeah, big so. deal. So so uh from this cynic, cynic and skeptic, we say look into a little bit. If you're impressed by whatever that award may be, you know, maybe worth looking into. Exactly. Uh, uh, I, you know, coming up in the third block of the cultural hall, we have, uh, our friend Corey K Ward, no decision yet on what we're going to call the temple thing. But after this episode, we will make a final decision. And the next time we would do news, we will have the official name for the, uh, talking about the temples yeah, segment. I, that I, we do. I vote for temple talk. I think that's uh, the alliteration works for me. Okay. You'd like it just that's... simple and direct. It just seems, it seems almost uninspired the way that it, uh, <laughs> it is. And and pun in both Fair. ways, puns in both ways, spire and inspired intended. Um, nice. Anything else that we should talk about before we take a break and get into actual articles of news? Well, I will say that those who are not benefiting from the video feed cannot see the since you lost, you quit your day job, you have facial hair. Yes. You like and the I salt? will say I'm liking it. 
more than, than like after your divorce and you grew it really big, that was like, okay, Richie looks homeless. Let's stop that. But the way it is now, <laughs> I you. think it fits you. It fits you very well. Thank you very much. Uh, there it, it's a, uh, I appreciate that compliment. It, 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 this light that I've got doesn't really show it, but there's lots of salt in this beard. And I, if I shave it, it's not because I don't like having a beard or like, I want to be well-kept. It's that I feel like that the amount of like white, cause it's not gray. It is white. Well, it's cause white you're a ginger. Hair. You don't yeah. go gray. You go white. Yeah. 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 The amount of white that's in it might deter me from ever. I don't know. Really having it. I don't so know. My husband, my husband, uh, I mean, his, his hair is brown, but he's, he's red hair as a child and his beard still comes in red. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got quite a lot of white in it now. And I, I kind of like it. Mm. Okay. He had to shave it though. Cause he had to go back onto having like actual camera zoom meetings and he does work for the church. Um, so he, for, he had a, he had a beard for like about a year or two during the pandemic. He just keep his camera off. Yeah. He <laughs> you know? should get one of those things like, uh, what was the old show with Tim, the tool man, Taylor, with the, oh, guy, yeah. the, the neighbor tool with the time. fence. Yeah. What was home, improve, home, home improvement. improvement. Yeah, yeah. 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 Get the neighbor with the fence for his zoom yep. thing. So, so he, he did that for be... quite a while. And then he mm-hmm. actually had to turn his camera on and so, or, at one point it turned on accidentally. And so one of his coworkers goes, nice beard, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh crap. No, busted. Oh, the sweet old practices that we have of not allowing ourselves to have facial hair. Not anymore for me. I don't work there anymore for now. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Let's take a break and we'll come back and we will do actual articles of news. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here we are in the second block of uh, Articles of News, wherein we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. We're still catching up on some of uh, the old news because we got a little... We got a little kerfuffled in episodes for a bit. We published like 603 before we published 600. And that's because the interview episodes were already done, but we're sorting our way through that. I'm still catching up on some news. I thought this was interesting. This is maybe a little more particular for Utah Saints, but if you um, have ever been up to the University of Utah here in Salt Lake, it's kind of up on the East Bench. um, There was a ginormous uh, property that was owned by the church that uh, it was a chapel. We had my mission reunion there one time. Um, they'd have it served as the uh, home of the institute before they got the gorgeous two-part institute building up on the University of Utah campus. Um, but it was a ward house that they essentially weren't using anymore. And they said, hey, you know what? Let's, uh, let's donate this. And so uh, the LDS Church, along with Ivory Homes, which is a huge home builder in the state of Utah, decided to get together and they are bringing a 552 new apartment building um, sort of spread community, uh, green spaces, all of the things uh, for the University of Utah. It's expected to generate a billion dollars in student aid. And uh, it was interesting because Bishop uh, Cosse uh, was the one who spoke and said, you know what, we're, we're excited to play this key role in a vision that's going to bless so many lives. 
um, with a high quality, spiritually inspiring and safe environment, and also a place where people will find a motivating setting that will help them pursue their studies. So it, it, and I don't know if you've seen this because maybe this isn't happening down in Utah County where you live, but up here in Salt Lake where the, the church is sort of consolidating or shrinking, we had a lot of properties for a long time. It's fascinating for me to see as, you know, wards will reduce or the, the area that the ward encompasses grows and then buildings, church buildings become obsolete. The ones that the church is selling, the ones that the church is turning over. And, you know, there's one in the, I guess what, like the sugar house area that they, they leveled the church and made it a church farm. And so it's like this very green space thing. And then this up at the university of Utah, it's, it's fascinating to see that, that the cool. church is shrinking like that here and that they're making use of their buildings and the space. Yeah. I'd say Utah County is the opposite. There's so mm. much growth, especially in Lehigh that there's so many houses being built that there's more and more and more. It's, it's kind of crazy that way, but that's more building. Cool. I didn't know that there was another church farm. Cause I knew a lot of the welfare farms got shut down back in the day. Yeah. No, so it's kind of cool. I know of at least two of them. That's awesome. Yeah. And they're cool Very because cool. like uh, if you're ever going to go do service, I don't know if they still have this anymore, but like it was one of my favorite things on the mission because the service states I'd served in Cleveland. There is at um, the Johnson farm where Joseph Smith was tarred and feathered behind the Johnson home. There's an apple orchard and strawberry fields. Are they forever? Yes, they are. Let me, let me take I you down. I almost asked. I know. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, but one of the coolest things in the world was being able to say, hey, non-member or hey, less active member family, let's go to Hiram, Ohio and, and serve alongside each other for a couple hours. It was a blast. I'm not sure that that farm is necessarily still open, but those serving alongside people and then being able to learn skills like the canning, just the gardening, the being able to spend time doing something productive and getting to know people. I, I for one, think we should be doing more of it rather than less of it. Amen. Thank you. Sure. What do you got? So this is one that um, I came out, my husband actually, because he, he works on family search again. So he learns things that are coming down the pike. Um, and he came to me and goes, I think this is public, but I haven't heard people talking about it. <laughs> so then, then he came back a couple of days later. He goes, okay, yes, you, it's, it's in the handbook. It's actually been in the handbook, but I haven't heard anyone talking about it. This is kind of a cool deal. Um, so it used to be that if you had a relative or a family member who died, mm-hmm. you had to wait a full year to do their temple work. Right? Yeah. It's not that the has case? now changed. Yes. What? Yes. Now it's 30 days hmm. a month. So um, this is, I'm quoting directly from the handbook. Now I found it. Um, it says, so deceased persons who were age eight or older at the time of death. So that has not changed. may have proxy ordinances performed on their behalf. And this is except as noted. And that's, you know, the, the section about you Hol- know, Holocaust victims and famous or, people you know, or like stillbirths things. and yep. you know, yeah, other yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so proxy ordinances may be performed for all deceased persons as soon as 30 days have passed from their date of death. If either of the following applies, a close relative of the deceased, undivorced spouse, adult, child, parent, or sibling submits the name for temple ordinances mm-hmm. or permission to perform the ordinances is received from a close relative of the deceased and enlists the same relatives. Hmm. If neither of the above conditions applies, proxy temple ordinances may be performed 110 years after the deceased person was born so 110 years after they're born okay so basically assuming they're they're like 
dead dead like that's because yeah well i'm not quite dead yet so yeah i think that's way incredibly cool though and i like that the point that even like the undivorced spouse so you don't have someone who has an ex and then it's like well i want their work done and the family's right. like but no we don't or you know yeah. whatever so yeah. you have to get permission from the close family but within 30 days how incredibly cool is that i, I thought it was just so there was a, a a family in our ward who recently lost a grandson um to cancer and my husband mentioned it to them and the grandfather just burst into tears and was thinking, hmm. I had no idea that we had to wait and now we can do it right away. So, well, and it's so fascinating yeah. to me uh, because what's the relevance of a year, right? Yeah. I mean, it was the same thing with like temple, the temple marriage after people were married civilly and then they had to wait a, a year yeah. to be married. Like, like on the other side, what the are they taking, waiting a yeah. year to hear the gospel yeah. and decide yeah. like, what, you yeah. know, in, the, in this, in, in this time and place where time is, necessarily irrelevant they're like yeah we better wait that we better <laughs> we get that 365 days, days. Jeez. so i've always wondered why that actually applied and um i know it, the that policy wasn't in place at least in the 1880s mm-hmm. um in one of my books actually it, it was an issue I, had, I was trying to figure out if a character could do the work of her sister and had to contact the church um history department took them a while to figure out even how to answer that the answer was in the year the book takes place Yes, she could have done it right away. <laughs> they weren't even sure. That historian I talked to, and he wasn't sure when the policy came into place. But I'm guessing it might have been somewhere in the same neighborhood of years as when the, the one-year marriage thing hmm. happened. So it makes sense that they would both be enrolled roughly at the same time, too. So They're okay. like, in order to make sure they get it right, they took 110 years to get back <laughs> to you so that you could... Oh, you're like, yeah, no, we're good. Uh, this was kind of cool. And just a quick one-off. There's a new historical film about the Nauvoo Temple that the church is producing. Uh, the Nabu Temple District, uh, L.A., New York, Chicago uh, are all doing auditions for a new film. It's going to follow the struggles and triumphs of the saints through the eyes of church members in Nauvoo. You can find a casting description by going to casting.churchofjesuschrist.org. Looking for actors to play the lead, supporting and background extras. So you can find that at that website again, which is casting.churchofjesuschrist.org. Very cool. So here's a fun one. Um, <laughs> the headline is Funeral Potatoes, a History of the Latter-day Saint Staple. Mm-hmm. So the, it's going into the history of who created it. We're not sure, but historians do think it might have been the Relief Society using the idea of, you know, what is what can we do from our food storage and potatoes are cheap and, and this kind of thing. And there's even once this is from the Deseret News, which is and it's hilarious. There's an actual ad in here that shows four women very much relief society from whatever like between probably the 60s or 70s holding their funeral potatoes it's a campbell's soup ad mm. and the and it says give me a covered dish casserole that'll cover me with glory <laughs> it's beautiful i just so there's this whole debate about like you know what constitutes funeral potatoes and who how long ago was it and um they kind of come down to the point of this is a you know a staple and and Latter-day Saint culture, and it probably was invented by the Relief Society. Well, and maybe we need to do a deep dive into the funeral potatoes. Maybe we make a whole episode of that. If uh, anyone listening wants to contact at theculturalhall.com, send an email and be a part of that, do the research, and then I'll bring you on. We can talk about it. I'm 65% sure, he said with a question mark in his voice, that funeral potatoes uh, came about like the green bean casserole, which is that Campbell's soup used to offer not, you know, these enormous like publishers clearinghouse million dollar prizes, but these pretty big prizes for recipes with their soup. And 
you know, mm-hmm. if the recipe would stick, if it was delicious, it would, they would put it in their contest. And, and I, someone told me, or urban, I think it was another bishop in an area. No, I'm teasing. Um, but that it, that it came from some relief society uh, member saying, oh yeah, I want to try this. And, you know, made these things and then perfected it and called it funeral potatoes because it was what she always brought to the funeral and in her church calling. So anyone wants to do the research, we can call it. That's what's the alliteration of funeral potatoes, funeral frenzy, funeral. I get the creative (laughs) juices are turned off. Uh, I I read this story uh, a little while back. This is where you can be like, man, didn't this happen a little bit ago? Yes, it did. But we haven't mentioned it in articles of news. So I bring it up here. The headline, devout Catholic pulled handgun on Mormon missionaries who knocked on his door. It's a couple weeks old. Uh, Robert Sakawa or Sakawa. Uh, pulled out what turned to be a replica of a Colt 9mm automatic pistol, which actually couldn't be fired. Uh, He was 42 at the time that he did this. It was a non-lethal BB gun, which can only fire pellets. Uh, But the missionaries uh, obviously didn't know that it was, you know, just a a BB or a pellet gun. Um, It was sister missionaries, which I thought was interesting. Um, he was found back in June of 2018 um, and admitted the uh, possessing the imitation firearm at his, at his home, but it is just barely making its way through the court system. Um, he told them that is the missionaries uh, that he was of the Catholic faith and that he would not be swayed from that. The conversation continued, but ended abruptly when Sakawa went into the house, returned to his front door with a handgun. He cocked it, waved it about, um, he wasn't sent, uh, he deferred sentence. So he'll be sentenced next week. Um, as we find out what will happen to him, but it, it's interesting because this is, um, going to be, um, sentenced as a hate crime because he did this, um, because, uh, you know, the two sister missionaries are obviously, um, being singled thing. out because of, uh, because of their religion. Um, uh, another, another, uh, individual, we've talked about this before in in the cultural hall, um, is, well, we haven't talked about this first one, actually. Uh, the, the one that we have talked about is the one in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. That's Christopher Scott Pritchard. He was, um, accused of allegedly burning down a Latter-day Saint meeting house. Um, but Samuel Van Dusen, and there's a great picture of this if you go, uh, to the culturalhall.com with the notes in associated with this episode. Um, he set fire to the missionary's car in Torrington, Connecticut. Now oh. I don't want, I don't want their cars to burn, but like he full on like rag in the, uh, in the, in the gas tank, like right out of what you would see in the movies, um, put the, put the rag into the tank of their new Chevy Equinox. Um, and, and lit that sucker on fire and both he and uh pritchard will be um tried as hate crimes as well because they were going after these missionaries because of who they were and who they represented and i'm ha- suddenly having like a hollywood image in my head of like the car burning up and he's walking away from it and it explodes behind him yeah and it like blows so. him just a little bit forward <laughs> right and he does like oh yep. chest forward whoa, whoa that kind of thing 
Um, well, that's, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah, anything that's a missionary thing that's kind of nerve wracking is not great for me right now since I have a daughter out. And, remind yeah. me where she's serving again. Oh, in the really safe state of Florida. Oh, so no. <laughs> Sorry, I brought that up. Then. Yeah. So mm. anything I hear out of Florida, I just ah, like Florida man is real. It's, it's freaking me out. Yeah. So, yeah. She's doing well. How's the work for her? So far, so good. I mean, yeah, there's you know disappointments. You know, they they've they've lost a couple investigators on the set. Oh, I see, correct myself. Apparently, they're now calling them friends. They don't call them investigators. They're oh, friends, interesting. Which I thought actually was kind of cool in some so, ways. I, I like that. But how how do you distinguish? Like, this is my friend that's investigating the church, and this is my friend who is a member of the church. Like, how do you distinguish that as you're introducing that to sure. people so they know? I should, I'll, you know what? I will ask her next time she calls. I, I'm not really sure on that. It's been interesting. So, but yeah, I mean, so last time she called, she was a little sad, but you know, it's, and that's like, I'm glad that we can call now because I can hear things in her voice that she would not be able to reveal in an email because mm-hmm. she can hide, you know, so. It's Has it been distracting for her or distracting for you? I know the the change to the weekly phone calls is a few years old now, but, but do you, do you like it? I do. Um, and the in- interesting thing is she has been so busy on P-Day that she often doesn't even get like her general email sent out. She sent out like four and she's mm-hmm. been out about that many months. My mom has actually said, is she mad at me or would, would she put <laughs> me on her list? I'm like, mom, she's just not emailing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes she hasn't even had time to call. So she'll just send like a little voice reporting. Um, but the fact that we can have that contact um, and we, I can actually send her things via Facebook anytime. She just can't reply to it, mm. but she can react to it. Yeah. So her companion's mom has been like asking her questions and then they have this little code that she can use various emojis (laughs) to communicate back to her mom. I'm like, wait to break the rules. That's the spirit of that law right there. That is. So uh, what is it? I mean, on one hand, I think it's good because you can have, you know, if there's an urgent issue, you can get it resolved quicker and that kind of thing. Sure. Sure. But also like if you're serving in a place where you can make a phone call and something is urgent and you need to call I don't think that you can have like 30 urgent things while you're serving a mission like that to yeah. me starts to become okay or what what how are we defining urgent but no, I, but if yeah. I could go back and shake the shoulders of a young elder Stedman like there there's probably a time or two that I would have been far better suited now granted it was against the rules back then so I would have had to get permission but if I could have truly looked at like the spirit of everything just been like hey I know I'm not supposed to call Give me five minutes to be able to have this conversation and this will save a lot of grief, a lot of pain, a lot of questioning, a lot of things. And if we could be able to look at it instead of the traditional way that we do, which is we used to not talk and it was Christmas and Mother's Day you know, it would, it would have saved some heartache, saved a little bit of anxiety. I think we're getting missionaries who can stay out, who might've come home from depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. because, and and I know some missionaries who have gotten permission to call, you know, I just need to talk to my mom today and it's not P day and the mission president's like, Hey, if that's what you need to stay out here, call your mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a 10 minute phone call and mom can just give her a little, that little pep talk. And then that, then they can keep going. But it's just just that that tether. I think it just gives that much more support. So the missionary doesn't feel like they've just been thrown out into the, to the sharks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And why they're serving among the sharks is another question, but we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) What, what, what other stories do you have? So this is actually, um, in response to, you know, the, the leaked memo from the Supreme court, there's a, an article here that was saying that surprisingly, um, some of the most, um, vocal and like popular people speaking out, uh, against the potential decision of overturning Roe are 
um, Latter-day Saint women on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And they were very surprised at that. They were, you know, saying how like, well, like back in the, you know, the early blogger days, you know, 10 plus years ago, there were a lot of um, Latter-day Saint women who had very popular blogs. Um, but that was like, oh, I'm a mom and here's my cool little family blog or my decorating blog or whatever. So they kind of attributed it to like the homemaker thing. So mm -hmm. they're like, so what is it? Well, why is it now these women? And so they, they interviewed various women. Um, they talked to Gabrielle Blair, who is actually very famous um, for a thread she did on Twitter. You can find her. I, I think her, her handle is design mom. Mm -hmm. um, but she has this fantastic um, thread where she argues that like, okay, if we're going to go to the, the heart of what causes unwanted pregnancies it's actually unwanted ejaculation so let's i mean so she go, and this, some yep. of it is satire but the point is we're not addressing the root causes and anyway so we go into other things here why is the latter-day saint women um often are not 100 behind um overturning roe and some of it is well it's if completely a ban abortion that's actually against the handbook the mm -hmm. issue is a little more gray than we, you know, it's, it's very difficult to legislate things that are very complicated medically. Anyway, it, it's a fascinating article, but it just was, people were shocked that Latter-day Saint women are the ones saying, I don't think we like this. Like, uh, a what? shout out to uh, Rachel Parcell. Also her Instagram yes, story is part there. of it yep. as well. Yep. Uh, you know, it, that thread, and we'll make sure that we include that in the uh, link in the show notes from Gabby Blair. It, it is worth, even if you don't agree with it, uh, it is worth reading and considering her perspective, right? And I know I I, I have had enough internet arguments uh, in my life to know that I I I probably will not sway you, but I would encourage you to at least consider the argument that she yes. puts forward. And then it's you could say, oh, but this is a you know it's a move point, it's a whatever you know your things are. You're welcome to do that. I would just encourage you to read it because I think, yeah. I, I think there are a lot of valid considerations that are not made um, that need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And just different perspectives and think about it. Just look at it from another perspective and go, I hadn't thought of it, of it about it in those terms. And mm -hmm. I think that's a valuable exercise no matter what. Uh, since you sort of broke the seal on, um, you know, on adult things and that, and you didn't even uh -oh. give everybody, what? you know, you didn't, you didn't give everybody the warning. I'm going to give everyone the warning and say, if you've got young ears that are listening to this at this point, uh, might you uh, press pause and come back to this at a different time? Uh, but there's a big deal uh, on, on uh, TikTok, uh, which I like to say like that, that the TikTok, the TikTok, uh, about, um, an influencer here in the state of Utah, um, Taylor, I want to say your name is, um, Taylor, Frank, and uh, let me see here. Let me make sure I get the name. Yeah, Taylor, Frankie, Paul, uh, and her husband, Tate. They're apparently uh, influencers. I, oh, they, don't, yeah. they don't look, forward, uh, look familiar to me. Um, they... They have been, and this is why I bring this up, because I, I feel like, you remember in the 80s when President Benson was like, you know, we've lived below our privilege and we won't find ourselves living uh, equal to our privileges. I'm getting somewhere, I promise everybody. Uh, <laughs> we won't until we, we uh, read, read and understand all the power and importance of the Book of Mormon. Well, I similarly think that until we stop thinking that we've found a way around things 
like in, in, here's the rule and here's what we do and the, here's how this is okay uh i i feel like we won't come into our full potential as members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints i know where you're going uh, until we get this i completely agree yep. and, and and so this uh influencer taylor frankie paul her husband tate they're getting divorced because she messed up uh according to her tiktok live they have been soft swinging now again if you have young ears uh, hopefully you have already pressed pause on this and I'm not going to go into all of this only to say there I have not seen you struggle for words what the, it so so how they define soft swapping or soft swinging is that you fool around with someone who isn't your husband or wife uh, but you don't go all the way. So immediately people are thinking, you know, and we've talked about it here before, uh, docking or floating or, um, you know, these various things that we accuse BYU-Idaho or BYU-Provo students of doing where it's, uh, you know, it's penetration, but it's not, you don't repeat it. So it's not sex, right? It's all these things where it's like, guys, no, 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 it, it, it's swinging. It is participating in some sort of sexual thing with someone whom is not your at at minimal civilly uh you know um committed spouse. partner spouse yeah. um but likely for a lot of lds folks your eternal you know covenanted partner mm -hmm. it's doing something with anyone else and there's not a there's not a way to to to, to split that it's it relations is, hi guys yeah the, yeah you know that it is as basic as I'm confiding in you and something that I can't share with my wife. That, you know, is an element of that. But that's not even what these people are saying, right? Like maybe there's a space to be like, there's emotional soft swapping. But this is like, no, you know, we can have some sort of oral or other sort of sexual satisfaction with someone who's my partner. It's cool. I'll be to the temple on Saturday. 630, is that what time we're meeting there? Like it just... And they it's, had parties or something, yes, right? It's, yeah, it's I just, insane. I, my brain kind of just paralyzes. I'm like, well, I, I, I can't even, I can't, yeah. but whatever. And, and, and to the other point of that, like, if that's what you want to do, then, then do it. Right. I don't I don't think that that's a great idea for a marriage. I've seen it destroy marriages, not Instagram or TikTok marriages, legitimate like marriages. People that have done that thought that that's what they wanted, thought that that's what their relationship needed. I don't believe that i don't think that but if you want to do that have like the honesty and integrity of character yeah. to say this is what i want to do don't try and say well you know if it, you know if it, it if you have gloves on like that's the kind of thing that it, uh, you're not technically touching if your sense of touch doesn't it just yeah. it's all it's ridiculous the hypocrisy. It's, it's absolutely a, if, yeah. if you're yeah if this is something you're going to do and then you embrace it fine you know, but if you're going to say, oh, I'm an active member of the church and this is yep. what I believe, but I'm doing this, you're like, nah, yep. you're not. Right, right. Not how that works. So sorry, soft swappers. <laughs> oh, gosh, soft swingers. So, so, yeah, and, and, that just was, no. So, and someone told me the other day that they were going to swap me. And now I'm like, man, is this something <laughs> completely different? Have we changed what this is? Because I've always wanted to go to a swap meet, but like a legitimate swap meet, not like a swap. Comma, so now Richie is traumatized, guys. Yeah. You can't even say the word swap around him. Yeah, see, see, or soft. For crying out <laughs> what uh 
Uh, what other stories do you on have? On a much happier note. Um, yeah. So there's, I saw this on, on the church newsroom, but I, I pulled it specifically because we have a family connection and I thought it would be something that's useful for other people, which is something I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're from Billion Graves is a website um, where you can go and look up graves. You can see actual like photographs of graves and, and the GPS coordinates and all that kind of thing people you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a crowdsourced thing. So people go to graveyards and take pictures and upload them. Um, but there's a lot of graves, as you can imagine, that are not categorized yet. Um, and so uh, they're partnering with Just Serve, which is, of course, is that church serve organization. So you can make them get more of these graves done. Um, so just throwing this out there. I know the Boy Scouts isn't really a huge church thing anymore, but um, my son's Eagle Project was actually doing this. He gathered the whole the youth from the ward and organized it. We went up to the Salt Lake Cemetery with all the old pioneer graves, found a whole huge section that hadn't been cataloged yet. And people really? went around, took all these hundreds, if not thousands of pictures and uploaded them um, to this website. And now they're available for people to do family history work and find things. And it's, it's seriously cool. So it's called billion graves and you can connect it to it with just serve way cool. And, and it's super cool because it's an app, right? Mm -hmm. And it pings the location and, and like, so if you're ever traveling and you see that little graveyard on the side of the road, super cool to drop in and, and do something like that. I had no idea that part of the Salt Lake City Cemetery, it's acres upon acres, yeah. massive, hadn't been done. And for people that are like indexing, oh, that sounds terrible. Like this is another cool way to be able to, yeah. to help out. And just with effort. your smartphone, because your smartphone, as long as you know, if you have your location services um, enabled, then it will tag the actual geolocation. And then you can go on and go on to Billion Graves and search for whether it's a family member or a rich, famous person, whatever. And then you can mm-hmm. go find their grave easier. It's, it's kind of cool. Also super cool is uh, I believe it keeps a tally of how many pictures you've submitted. Yep. So if you're one of those persons, I, I, I could not believe it uh, in my um, Sunday school. Was it Sunday school? Yeah, my Sunday school this last Sunday. There, so I'm in a ward of old people now. And man, they straight up like your credibility, your your stature in the ward is how many names you indexed last week. And I'm not joking. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. It it is. Oh, I was only able to get 1,200 this last week. 1,200. I'm I'm working on the 1950s census, and like yeah, it's we just... have a stake challenge, and there's just one sister who was, everyone was like, see if you can beat her, sister so and so. It it's pretty cool, but also I'm it, I'm so out of left. You know, I'm like, uh, what is this? Is that an app? Oh, look, we're cousins. That's as far as I get with the the family history on my app. I'm like. And I will say, I never get that because my family's too newly come to the States. My husband has pioneer ancestry. So like Mm -hmm. anyone in the war, like, oh, we're 11th cousins, you know? And I'm like, no, we're not related at all. I sorry. So my mom was an immigrant and both of my dad's parents are immigrants. I'm like, sorry. Like if you have, I found people for like when they do the whole um, root sec thing and you can see if you're related to anyone who, who logs in, I found people from like Missouri. Mm-hmm. that they connect to like a great great whatever going back to either germany or finland or switzerland but it's like way 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 back and <laughs> so yeah i'm special that way it's great yeah you are couple uh how many other stories do you have two says, two okay so we'll go through this pretty quick uh there were two men that were arrested in idaho falls uh they decided hey you know what where would be a great place for a gun battle I'll meet you in the parking lot of the Idaho Falls Temple. You know where that is? Of course I do. It's a landmark in the town. So 23-year-old Frederick Free, uh, not so free anymore, 
and the other man, 28-year-old Austin Cuck, an unfortunately named gentleman, uh, fired multiple shots uh, in the parking lot of the Idaho Falls Temple. Um, Cuck told police that he had gone to confront Free because he believed Free had been involved in a recent break-in at his home. When he met Free at the parking lot, he reportedly found a digital video recorder that belonged to him in Free's vehicle. During the argument, Free reportedly drew a gun and pointed it at Cuck. Cuck said, stop making fun of my name, and also said, uh, Free, are you going to shoot me? And he said, yes. And then he shot Cuck in the hand. The woman who was with Free also said Cuck shot at their truck. The idea of a child's book, <laughs> Cuck, see Cuck shoot. See Cuck shoot at the truck. That's where my mind sort of went. Anyway, both events have preliminary hearings uh, in the Bonneville County Court. Uh, Free was charged with aggravated battery, punishable up to 15 years in prison, also charged with the possession of a con- of a controlled substance, surprising to nobody, punishable with up to seven years in prison, and also had fentanyl pills mm. found in his possession. What else Not you got? Good. Um, so it was an article that hilariously it was it was um tweeted from a, a church account, um, but with the most bizarre tweet connected the actual article is interesting but the tweet itself um let's see oh well i had it rare it said do you know about elder dieter effendorf's piloting past and i wanted to go um who does not like this yeah. is that that's what he's known for guys duh um the actual article is uh, about how he went to the salt lake international airport to, mm. um to help celebrate the inaugural flight that the first time they've had an, an airline go from salt lake to Frankfurt, Germany. So he talks about how as a pilot himself back in the day, he would fly from, you know, Frankfurt to Los Angeles and always look at Salt Lake and wish he could land there. And isn't it great that we can have people come? Anyway, so there, now there's flights that are direct um, straight from Salt Lake. And then he was there to, to celebrate that. And um, the article does go into his piloting history a bit, um, but I do think the tweet was kind of hilarious because this is Elder Dorf. Of course, we know he was a pilot. Guys. You don't say. A like, pilot, really? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Then you know, DJ Rob's a DJ, and yeah. Uthor was a pilot. Hmm. Anyway, uh, interesting to note though too that that means that we have a direct flight from Salt Lake City to Frankfurt now. That's pretty rad. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Very Maybe cool. I'll go to Frankfurt. Maybe I'll do write it. a book that's set in Frankfurt, so I have an excuse. Ooh, that's very cool. I'm probably not going to do either of those things. <laughs> uh, Sinner v Saints. Uh, I'm. I'm episode uh, six into under the banner of heaven um have you been watching it at all not yet yeah I, it's on my list of things i probably should get to but i haven't yet it's interesting because it has been a talking point for um me with several different people from my life my mom is uh you know name removed she did it from the church and and uh some very you know true blue believing folks and the various reactions and questions and things that people have talked about with under the banner of heaven uh i don't know numbers on it i'm curious i'm gonna have to look that up and see how like the the national populace um are enjoying it or not enjoying it i imagine most people are coming to it because of andrew garfield and his talent and certainly popularity but uh freddie highmore and Maisie williams are going to be starring in a new movie together titled sinner v saints it's an adaptation of a bizarre true story about an american ex-beauty queen accused of kidnapping and raping an lds missionary in england in the 1970s um 
Mark Williams and Adriana Williams are set to produce movie. It's rare to find an over-the-top true story with compelling characters and zany twists and turns. The all-consuming passion, the absurd law-breaking and outrageous antics made news around the world and can be sure to entertain today. And a lot of what I've heard um, from folks is that... uh, Listen, if this were the story of a uh, woman being raped, they would treat it far kinder. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, because it's a, an elder who was held against his will and raped because it's a man that, that sort of, you know, turn it on its head. Here's a different thing. Oh, isn't this a lighter story? Um, Here's supposed to somewhat of a comedy. Is that what I yeah, understand? Yeah, that's, that, to me, that's it what just I seems heard. like I if we're doing, you know, sexual assault, that's not funny. I don't care who it is, guys. Knock yeah. It off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was an interesting article or editorial, I think, written by Hannah Syriac, previous guest of the Cultural Hall um, this last week, where she talked about, you know what? It's just Hollywood needs to get a clue because, you know, people need to consume things that are that are more than just those crazy, you know, off the beaten path Mormon things, right? Like Under the Banner of Heaven, like Murder Among the Mormons, like all that. And I, and I just think about that and I go, I hear you, Hannah, but most of what you see produced are those, you know, it, I guess their religious uh, observation isn't pointed out in things like, um, I almost said ugly Betty, but what's the, uh, what's the series um, dead, John. Um, It was based on a podcast. There were two different seasons and uh, dirty John, dirty John. Yeah. Dirty John, right? Like they don't make the religion a focus of either or any of those characters in there. So I guess to that point, you know, they point out Mormonism where Mormonism exists and maybe that's the difference. But maybe. the stories that that we tell about that we consume in the media are the over the top, zany, terrible, you know, the if it bleeds, it leads sort of stories. That's what we consume. Yep. She posits that if we're like, if we just tell nice stories about good people, I think that there is some of that. The the Christian groups, you know, appreciate the the movies that are made um, by members of the church or about members of the church that just have good messages. But to say, you know, once I was engaged is comparative to under the banner of heaven in audience share that they could possibly get or marketing dollars that would put behind it that would never exist that's not that that isn't how something would and could occur yeah i wouldn't have to even think of just from a storytelling standpoint and of course my writer hat goes on here it's you're not going to find you know happy happy joy joy is not a story that's not that's you need conflict and you know and that kind of thing and escalating and emotional response that from the audience and that's usually going to come with being something that's outrageous yeah i mean that that is what it is so yeah and terrible what do you have (laughs) um we're gonna go with my nerdiness here i'm gonna credit uh my friend uh steven stewart because he knows i'm a complete word nerd so everybody who was you know there's the whole wordle phenomenon Mm -hmm. that everybody's been doing and there's the the little other variants that are out there um come follow meadle Oh, is one. <laughs> um and so it's you know so I, I did it yesterday and the word was sword and then it okay. gives you it, then it gives you um like a, a scripture as to where that word comes from and what's the significance in the scriptures 
So this particular one was Judges um, 7.18. When I blow with a trumpet, I and, and all that are with me, then blow ye your trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So mm. you have to have a word that's, you know, somehow in the scriptures. Um, I thought that one was kind of funny myself. So um, anyway, come follow Meadle. I jeez, <laughs> and I love that it's You're just welcome. like, what can we cram? Come follow me and dole. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what I have wanted, app developers uh, do this. I I love this, and the come follow Meadle kind of approaches this, but we're not there yet. Uh, I'd love it because Jesus is a five letter word. I'd love it if that was the word every day that someone <laughs> developed and, and it's a clever, a clever named app or something like that, that, that we're like, Oh, cool. This is a Christian thing. And every day the word is Jesus. I, I kind of love that. That yeah, be, That's brilliant. Right? It's got to be easy to develop, right? Cause you just pattern it after the other, but every day, every single day. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, mm. you're you're getting to the fifth choice or something like that. And it's like, no, choose Jesus. Why did you not? Uh, always. Hey, always pal, the Jesus. first one, it's Jesus. <laughs> if no other reason. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the poignancy, the gimmick, maybe it could be cool. A couple of quick stories and we'll wrap this sucker up. Uh, there's a painting that's in the uh, DC temple about the second coming. Uh, a great story. We'll link it in the show notes. But this guy, Dan Wilson, it's a 12 by eight foot painting. He gets it done. He's ready to ship it off to DC before the temple opens. And then he hears giggling from his room, from his paint room and comes in and kids have painted in the bottom corner of his painting. And he's like, you are such a blessing. You are such great creations of our heavenly father. Thank you for your contributions. You can bet is none of what he said. It's a fun story that you can see just where they painted. And there's some cool kind of uh, behind the scenes story for that. I really appreciated uh, that. He, you, you can tell he's just a guy who loves his kids. Right. So he didn't get too mad at all of it, but he definitely was like, okay, so this thing I've been working on for a good long time, let's not do that again. Uh, a, an upcoming episode of the cultural hall, just as a tease, we're going to talk about the ghost town. That is the, LDS uh, founded ghost town that's at the bottom of Lake Mead. It's going to get super historical and not really in a church way uh, about that because the water levels have gone so low that you can see like the footings of some of these old buildings. Oh, um, I am so up for that. I'm, yeah. I may be a word nerd, but I'm also a history nerd. So bring yeah. it. I absolutely love it. i working on getting the right person. Uh, to talk about that, but the Latter-day Saint ghost town that keeps emerging from Lake Mead. And it's emerged three times before, by the way. Uh, and there's quite a story to it. So I'm looking forward to cool. that. Uh, and then lastly, the rugby team, that is the women's rugby team at the BYU, national champions. Woo-hoo. That's it. Uh, to- so much news that we didn't even get to. We'll get to it another time, including in our next episode, we'll talk about uh, you know graffiti at a church that they actually included it. Um, we'll talk about shoehorning This Is Us and gospel principles together, which I appreciate. Kirby Hayborn back in uh, action and so much more. That's in the next episode of Articles of News, which will be a little bit, a week or so. I'm going to probably get back to doing it on the weekly. Coming up in the third block, uh, we will have Corey K. Ward um, doing 
for us the temple of talk tidbits of travesty and triumph bestdjinutah.com that is the website if you would like to hire me to come and to be at your event now uh, I've done weddings and uh, family reunions and I've had the opportunity to gather with folks just uh, for a party I have yet to do a funeral uh, and so I I don't want to say it with such exuberance but I'm willing to play the music at a funeral, and I know that some people have really started to turn uh, the passing of someone into a party. Not that we're celebrating that they're gone. No, that's not what I'm saying. Take that back. Come on, Richie. I'm just saying the opportunity to be able to gather and celebrate the life of an individual. This suddenly got really dark, and I didn't mean it to. The point is, if uh, you have an event, an activity that you need music to be played for, why not considering consider rather hiring me uh, you go to bestdjinutah.com hi friends dan the laptop man here from pc laptops is breaking news windows 11 is now here it's fast and it's beautiful so let's make sure your computer's ready to run it bring your pc into any pc laptops right now at pclaptops.com pclaptops.com here in the third block uh we still haven't decided a name Corey. and i i think that if we if we aren't inspired more uh, by the next time we record, I'm going to let you pick because after all, it is your feature where we talk about the temples. Uh, Temple Talk, I think, has to be the uh, the leader at this point. Uh, someone suggested Temple Tidbits. I don't want to downplay the importance of the temple or about what we talk about. So maybe Tidbits is not the way to go. But uh, I mean, your whole podcast is patterned after uh, a meeting house, right? You have the culture hall, you have the bell, you have mm-hmm. all those things. I wonder if there's something we could think about that. Yeah. And uh, just before we go any further, the whole show that I've created that's available in podcast form, Corey, right. you watch your mouth. You watch your mouth. Where else is the show available other than podcast form? It's on the radio. Is that's it where, really? Yeah. That's where we got okay. it from. In Southern Utah, you can listen but to currently it on Sunday still? mornings. Yeah. Okay. At least in one place. I think the other place said, nah, I don't know. we're not going to do that anymore. But one place <laughs> still plays it on the radio. Great. Uh, as we go through uh, the latest and greatest in temples, it also dawns on me, and we've had this uh, conversation sort of off mic about how much temple news there is right now with 200 plus temples. Uh, Corey may become a part of every episode of Articles of News. And depending on how much news it is, we just go a little bit shorter uh, with that time. So assuming that we can coordinate schedules and be able to get that, maybe we'll see. I don't know. It's, it's still in its infancy, this whole That's, temple tidbit thing. Springtime is a big time for temple news. So, yeah. So maybe in the summertime, we, we reel it in, you know, we take it back a little bit when the brethren go on vacation in July and December, maybe we won't have too much to talk about. Oh yeah. Uh, there's less going on that time. We definitely will get to uh, Washington DC. So if you've, don't feel like we get to that right out of the gate. Hold on to your britches. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, so where do you want to start then, Corey? Um, well, just this last week, weekend, I think, um, the, it was the, the official announcement for the site where the Montpelier Idaho Temple um, was announced. Um, it will be. And so that was really no surprise. A lot of the early media, the local news, East Idaho News, Local News 8, they've all reported that that's where the temple was going to go. And finally, the church said, yep, that's where it's going to go. They had to uh, move this old, not like pioneer house, but an, an older home that was 
significant to the community. The big thing for me is Montpelier was announced just like a month ago, six weeks ago, right? Seven weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And now boom, they've got it and it'll be built and dedicated by December, right? That's how we're building these things now. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe a little bit longer, but it's going to be a two story, 21, seven or 27,000 square feet temple. So a medium sized temple, definitely for that small town. Uh, what else? I saw a couple other dedication or not dedications, but like, hey, this is where it's happening. Yep, there's groundbreakings announced. Uh, first in um, Lubumbashi, Democratic Republic of the Congo. This was announced, I think, about a year ago. It will the groundbreaking will be held on August 20th. It's the second temple in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. There's even going to be three coming soon. The next one is in Kananga. Um, the rendering is a, a, med- a small to medium-sized temple, 16,000 square feet. Um, I think it's going to have a copper spire is what it looks mm-hmm. like on the rendering. Um, Lubumbashi is a big center for mining in the DRC. DRC is very mineral rich. It has a lot of cobalt, copper, everything. And Lubumbashi is a big hub for that area. If you didn't know, the Ochre Mountain Utah Temple, originally the, the concept design had a copper spire on it because it was close to the Kennecott mine, but eventually they ended up removing that in the design. Now, now is that uh, something that they removed or because the Ochre Mountain Temple got struck by lightning too? And so eventually they changed some things because they realized that they had made a massive lightning rod in the southwestern part of the Salt Lake Valley. (laughs) That happened too. I wonder if that had anything to do with why they changed the design early on. Hmm, Could be. Um, the other groundbreaking that was announced was Ephraim, Utah. Um, will be August 27th. We previously did see the rendering of that. It's uh, 39,000 square feet. So a small temple for Utah standards. Uh, and Ephraim, not a very big town. It's where Snow College is, a junior college for people who don't know. But it'll be prominent for that small uh, Utah community for sure. That is a couple blocks away from the university. If you're passing by 200 North right there on Main Street, you'll be able to see it in the distance. Um. We go to what, New Mexico and Nevada now? Yeah, we had two groundbreakings for them. Um, Farmington, New Mexico. Uh, this will be the second in New Mexico. The groundbreaking was held on April 30th. It's also right next to a college, San Juan College. So they had to demolish the stake center. Uh, the next groundbreaking was on May 7th. It's Elko, Nevada. This will be the third in Nevada. And if you're driving to, fr- to or from Utah to California, you'll be able to see this temple right on I-80. It's right next to the Ruby View Golf Course. Do you know, uh, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, but that's why I'm asking the question. Do you know, we make great efforts to make sure they're visible from interstates, correct? I wouldn't say it's a top priority, but there's a lot of temples that do that. Because I was, I happened to be in Saratoga Springs where the Saratoga Springs Temple is, uh, uh, it's close, what, mm-hmm. close-ish to dedication. And it, you know, there's not an interstate that goes through um, Saratoga Springs there on the uh, west side of Utah Lake. But I'll, I'll tell you what, there was, there is a great effort to make sure that it is visible from every single road that you would drive by it. it, it Almost like how I imagine driving in the beltway for the Washington DC temple, which we're going to talk about everybody. Hang on. Uh, Like it it was striking the way it just came out from, well, there it is. That's the temple right there. Yeah. So I'd say in Utah Valley where you have this Valley where everything's pretty visible from one area. Like, yeah, that's pretty common. But I can't help but wonder if in some places we don't put just a little extra dirt so it's a little higher. 
We just no. I, I'm sure that's not I suppose, what we do. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that you actually thought about that. I just was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, okay, so we got uh, Elko, we got Farmington. Where else are we going? We're all over the world this morning. Yeah, well, we have a. There was a few open houses and dedications um, since we've last talked. The one that opened up and was dedicated was the the Yigo Guam Temple. It had an open house um, the first couple of weeks of May, and then it was dedicated by Elder Bednar just this last week on the 22nd of May. Any reason why it was Elder Bednar that we know? Any connection? I don't know any connection there, unfortunately. And Guam is an interesting temple. The reason why uh, a lot of people have said that as far as Guam goes is it's ease of getting there. It's not that the church is massive in Guam. It's that, that they had to otherwise have had to travel by plane or boat to get somewhere else yeah the area is called micronesia there's several island nations that are there and they're i guess a hub i guess would be a guam for them this is actually the first temple to be dedicated that was announced by president nelson interesting um, so he's announced 100 temples so only 99 more to go <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's number um 172 but before that they and they rededicate or they dedicated the rio de janeiro brazil temple which is the 171st temple Elder Stevenson uh, dedicated that temple. And for him, it was um, his first temple that, that he dedicated. And now all the members of the Quorum of the Twelve on the First Presidency have dedicated or rededicated a temple, which is the first time in church history that has ever happened. It's pretty awesome. And and just to highlight again what you said, because I think that it, you know, we think about those hundred temples that President Nelson has dedicated or that he's announced. And the Guam temple is the first to actually go from announcement to groundbreaking to building to dedication to now in use and and it feels like i don't maybe i don't know if it feels like this to you but it feels like elder uh, president nelson has has been in for longer than that like it seems like that should not be the first temple maybe i don't know i guess that's how i feel yeah i mean the temple was delayed a little bit for covid and i heard maybe there was some art that caught on fire so they did delay the, the guam dedication a little bit so Maybe okay. it could have been a little bit faster. Okay. Okay. I'll let it pass. <laughs> I'll let it slide then. Uh, where else are we going? Um, so also open house hasn't been dedicated yet though, is the Praia Cape Verde temple. It will be open until June 11th and then dedicated by Neil Anderson on the 19th. So something unique about these two temples, Yigo and Praia is that um, they're, they're the smallest temples that they've, that the church is built in a long time. Mm-hmm. They're only about 6,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Um, I was assuming to save money and to save on construction costs, the oxen of the temple are kind of like plastered um, heads on the side of the font. And so in most um, baptismal fonts, you have kind of a full body oxen on the bottom of the font. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at the pictures of these two temples, the oxen are kind of their, their heads are carved on the side of the, of the, of the font. Uh, and also you make note, and I'm reading kind of through some of the stuff that you prepared that you give me so I don't sound like an absolute noob when we talk about all this stuff. Uh, the ceiling room can present the endowment. Tell me about that. Yeah, so in both the endowment room and the ceiling room, they have kind of like a a cabinet you can open to see the screen. So it's not like a projection. It's like a, like a, like a large flat screen TV. Um, so they have that both in the ceiling room and the endowment room. But in the ceiling room, you can... Um, the altar, you can take off kind of the sides of the altar and then wheel it to the front. And then you can rearrange the chairs and then it can be used to present the endowment. 
let me ask you, how do you know all this? Like, is this something that they make great pains to make available to folks? Or are you just a little bit that nerdy that likes to be like, well, how do they transform the <laughs> altar in the Praia Cape Verde temple? Um, yeah, the church hasn't officially talked about this, but uh, there's a few sources that I, I know that have told me. So. Oh, cool. All right. Well, don't don't out your sources, but I oh, love I that we're not. getting the scoop. <laughs> I love that we're getting the scoop here. What else? Um, yeah, just going back to Rio de Janeiro, it, it, the dedication was originally announced for two years ago on 2020, but it had been delayed since then. So the Saints in Brazil, finally, their temple was ready for two years and it's finally um, dedicated. So I think that's the eighth in Brazil. Wow. Wow. And Elder Suarez, correct? Um, so it was Elder Stevenson, but Elder oh. Suarez, um, he opened, that's where he served his mission. So it was a very special place for him. He opened the uh, open house for the media and everything, but he's already dedicated two temples, the one in Fortaleza, Brazil, and the one in Arequipa, Brazil. So, so he has to share. It's to share, share yeah. Elder Suarez. It's someone <laughs> else's turn for a minute. We that's all right. get temples to dedicate. Everyone's had one. Everyone gets a turn. I wonder if there's anything like that, right? You, I can't imagine that these grown, professional, very successful men, but but I can't help but knowing what I know about people, think that maybe on occasion there is the thing where it's like, oh, but he got to dedicate a temple last time. <laughs> maybe not. I hope they're a little bit more humble than that, but <laughs> I, I don't know what they think on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's something you just keep to yourself. All right. <laughs> we've put people off long enough. Let's talk about DC where you had the chance to go to the Washington DC uh, temple recently. I did. I took a trip out. I um, kind of wanted to give myself just to like a, a personal vacation. I guess I had a cousin that lives in, that lives in Virginia. So I could sleep on our couch, save some money. Mm-hmm. But I went to DC to see some of the sites. And of course, one of the sites I wanted to see was the, the DC temple because it was open. And um, so I had an interesting experience. I first I went on a Monday night. And so I got tickets that time to use the shuttle that comes from the Forest Glen um, metro station. Um, and so they just have someone there that um, just kind of goes back and forth between the temple and the metro station. Um, it was great to be there, I guess, at sunset because the temple with the white marble, it really shines um, the the warmth of the sun when um, in that evening time. So it was a good time to, um, I guess, I just sat around the temple grounds and then in the temple and just listened to the conversations that people were having. I guess the experiences that I've had in an open house were in areas where there's a lot of members of the church. So in this open house, there's obviously a ton of people that weren't members of the church and so it was just interesting to, to sit around and hear what they were asking questions of other people who they were with. And yeah, it was a nice experience. Anything prominent uh, stick out? A question that you heard more than once that you went, huh, I wouldn't have thought of that. Or I, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that people were asking that. Um, I guess it was kind of like, what's the celestial room for? Like they're kind of just like, it's just like this nice lobby. And <laughs> I'm not really sure what you do in here. And so they just kind of explained like, oh, well, once you come from the endowment rooms, you come here and you contemplate what you've learned. Um, it was interesting too because when I went to um, into one of the ordinance rooms, I just like decided to sit down, and some of the other people kind of followed me, like not knowing what to do, just kind of sat down, like, "Oh, are we going to see like a, an audio visual or something?" Mm-hmm. And they said, "No, you just keep going. That's just for when the temple's open." Um, but the uh, people also had a lot of questions about the art, and 
unfortunately, a lot of the tour guides, they're, they're volunteers. And so they, they're not um, experts on what the art is. So a lot of them didn't have too many um, facts about it, but there was some really nice prominent art that I had never seen before in a temple or in any church setting. Like there's this really nice um, painting of Jesus in a blue, sh- a blue sash. And I asked the lady, like, do you know about that painting? She didn't know anything about it. There's another nice uh, painting that had like the, the monuments, the, the Capitol, the Washington monument, all in the national mall um, up by the ceiling room. So that was very unique for that area. Did, and then did it have any of those? What's that artist? Why can't I think of his name right now? The guy who, who paints, uh, Oh, hold on. I'll get to the joke here in a minute. Go ahead and go on. And then I'll <laughs> tell you exactly who I'm talking about. The one who paints all the presidents and puts John them McNaughton. Into, yeah, McNaughton. I, I don't Was think there any McNaughton paintings? Well, he does more than just political stuff. So, I, I mean, know. it's possible he could have yeah. those landscapes or whatever. But hopefully <laughs> n- none of those there. In <laughs> no, I didn't see any. Temple. Can you imagine? Jeez. But I, I also, I was really eager to go up to the seventh floor where they have that assembly room. Um, but unfortunately, when I got there, it was closed off. And I asked the tour guide, like, hey, like, is there ever a time when it's open? She didn't know. And so I was kind of disappointed. And I kind of left the temple like, oh, dang it. Like, this is yeah. one of my highlights of why I wanted to come here. There's because... only eight. And there's 200 plus temples in rendering. <laughs> and, and there are only eight of these assembly rooms. Get me in. And? And so I decided I heard kind of from the back of the room, someone said something about it might be open in the morning. So I had some time before I had to leave on my flight on Tuesday morning. So I decided to go back up and go in the morning to see if it was any different. And lo and behold, they did have the assembly room open. It turns out that in the DC area, each stake is assigned kind of a day to come to the temple where they can, um, just kind of a day in the morning where they don't need a reservation. They can bring a friend or whatever. But um, during that time, it's like 10 to two ish. Mm -hmm. Um, That assembly room is open for anyone to go up. And so it's kind of like a, if you know, you know, situation, mm-hmm. they kind of give us the option when we got to the sixth floor, oh, you can go up to the seventh or you can just take the elevator down kind of like not really kind of downplaying what's sure. up there. They're, they're on there. the, they're on the elevator with Charlie and they say, Charlie, I've hit all of the buttons on this elevator, <laughs> but this one, go ahead and press it. That's and what they, I always felt like when fly, I, they fly out of the building. <laughs> But yeah, like there wasn't any like like in the other rooms, there's like a an easel that has a that shows like what's in that room and everything. But this room, it didn't. It just had some sister missionaries that um, were kind of explaining it. Um, but they, I talked to them, and they're like, um, they didn't really have a lot to explain to people because they, when they were asked like what goes on this in this room, they're like, well, this room isn't really used that much. And so, occasionally, there's meetings for temple workers or a stake temple day where just everyone kind of meets. And so I found that a lot of the people that, especially the people who weren't members, had um, some questions that really the sisters couldn't answer. Mm-hmm. Like one of the questions was, um, why are there pulpits on both sides? Why are there mm-hmm. 12 pulpits on both sides? What's the purpose of that? And there wasn't too much of an explanation. <laughs> Here, here's the deal, though, uh, to give a little bit of credit to those sister missionaries. I think that there's a lot of people within the church, within the 16 million plus member church, they would have, first of all, no idea that temples have assembly rooms, any of them, let alone the eight that do. Second of all, what those 12 pulpits on either side, where it comes from, what it is, uh, are you going to teach us? Well, I explained to the sisters that I, I thought that I'm not 100% sure. I haven't looked this up, but I think I believe in the Kirtland temple, you had 
um, pulpits on both sides that represent the Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthood quorums. And so whenever you had a meeting for the Aaronic priesthood, you have it on that side. Because in that day, the deacon teachers priests were adults. Mm-hmm. And I think there was also, a, wasn't there, you're, you served your mission closer to Kirtland. Wasn't there also like a, a canvas like partition in the room that you could split up the room? Yeah, it was cool. They could drop the canvas from the, the ceiling. And so you could partition off that assembly hall room. Uh, and, and, and it's where like um, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery saw God, the father and Jesus Christ, uh, I, or maybe just Jesus uh, on the standing on the, uh, there's different accounts. Yeah. yeah. Different, different accounts, but also uh, where they saw the, the, uh, the vision of Elias and Elijah and Moses and returned the keys and all that. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it, it split up and, and, did, did it have, let me ask you this, since I didn't have the opportunity and you did, there were different um, letterings in front of each of like the, 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 um, like yeah. st- seats or whatever. Is there like that in the assembly hall there uh, in no, Washington, D.C.? Oh, so they're just blank faced sort of 12 places. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. It, was, it was really cool to be up there. Um, if you want to have a mini tour of the open house of the D.C. temple, um, a video has been released on the church's website with Elder Stevenson and Elder Renlin and their wives. Um, they toured the temple. I gave like a virtual tour and explained each of the rooms in the temple, including this is the first time I'm aware of is that there's pictures of the initiatory rooms. Initiatory rooms weren't really a part of the open house. He just kind of went through the, the dressing room, saw the bride's room and then exited. Um, but they did not show the assembly room. So apparently that's not too important of a room to see either. Hmm. Hmm. So if you don't have a cousin whose couch you can sleep on and you just want to be able to check out the video, you can do that. We'll have the link in the show notes. Anything else before we let you go for the day, Corey? Um, well, the open house will be, it will be at least until June 11th, which will be open, but it will likely be extended. So they haven't gave dates on what the extension will be, but if you still have the opportunity to go, it's a great opportunity. Any idea of the numbers of people that have already been through? Um, I've heard more than a hundred thousand so far. So. Was it pretty busy when you were there? Um, yeah, it was yeah. not like a huge line outside, but I have to wait more than 10 minutes. Oh, nice. All right. Well, Corey K Ward, he does the temple tidbit talk update thing that we do until it's appropriately named. I appreciate your time, sir. Hey, thank you. Uh, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. I hope that if you have been sick or afflicted, you'll be able to come back next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at alpinelakestravel.com, Wandering Wheaton Ranch, Miracles, I told you so, Rick McGee at Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, and Debbie Wanless will be saving a seat for you. On the back row of of the the cultural cultural hall. hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat.